Good morning, everyone. Pastor Bob Murphy, and um, if there's a title for this talk today, we're going to call it The Character of Love. Character of Love. So tell me if you agree with this statement. Christians are supposed to be known for their love. True or false? It was sort of pitiful. Some of you didn't want to vote. We do that again. Christians are supposed to be known for their love. True or false? Okay, good. It's okay if you speak out loud. It's all right today. Um, I mentioned it earlier in First Baptist. If you, uh, if spontaneously this urge to say amen just comes out, go right ahead. You know, get excited. It's okay. Am I the only one who's excited to be here today? I mean, I mean, so I am. Um, Christians are supposed to be known for their love. How do we know that? Well, it's all throughout the Bible. Um, we know that. Uh, scripture talks about the importance of love and God is love and, and many, many places. But let's, let's, let's think about what Jesus said about love, right? So uh, in the gospel of Mark, uh, Jesus was being confronted by some teachers of the law. They were trying to trap him. They were always trying to trick him and trap him into saying something that would either contradict Moses and the law or, or something that they could use to challenge him with. But he never uh, bought in. He never got trapped because you can't trap God that way. But when they asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? They wanted to hear what he said. And what he said was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he went on to say, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command, no commandment greater than these. So love God, love one another. Love God, love one another. How do you, how do you love that way. What does, I mean, love means different things to different people, right? Um, we have a dictionary version of love. Here's what uh, Webster says. A dictionary version of love is an intense affection and warm feeling for another. I don't think when God talks about loving him with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength, I don't think it's a warm feeling or intense affection. There must be other definitions. Maybe, maybe the one that we use for love isn't going to meet the biblical standard of what God means. So if God says there's two, Jesus says there's two great commandments. Number one, love God. The other is love one another. We ought to know how to do that. Now, let me tell you where this um, came from. Recently, a friend of mine, Jansen, many of you know Jansen, he's friends with you, um, uh, he was talking about a Bible study that he was in where they were studying in 1 Corinthians 13 some definition of love and they were going through each of the verbs, there's 15 verbs in that chapter that talk about what love is and is not according to God, God's version of love. And, and they would pray each week for one of those verbs to say, am I living my life this way? Am I not living my life this way? Holy Spirit, help me live my life this way. Help reveal to me where I'm not living love the way you want me to. And it stuck with me. This was about three months ago. And since that time, I've been teaching about it, thinking about it, praying about it. But, but God's been revealing there's some components of that that I need help from the Holy Spirit and continue to, to pray with. And so what I wanted to do today 
is to bring it up to you and ask you to consider praying that way. Lord, as we go through the scripture, which of these is the one that I'm not displaying or I could do better at to show love the way you say you want me to show love. Let me, let me give you some other sort of boundaries for what love is in the Bible, right? Biblical um, definitions of love. Number one, biblical love is sacrificial. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. This is a pretty cool standard, right? That statement right there. This is how we know what love is. What comes next? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Wow. That's a pretty high standard. That's a pretty big sacrifice. If it's a, it's a lot more than what Webster says love is. Webster doesn't talk about someone laying down their life. Biblical love implies action, right? The Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 18, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. So it's, it's, very, it's sacrificial, big sacrifice, and it's not just words, it's doing, right? But here's where maybe the Bible gets a little ignored. The most ignored definition, some have said, is that biblical love demands obedience. 1 John 5, 3 says, this is love for God. Here's another great, if you see that, this is love for God, pay attention to what comes next. To obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Thank God that they're not burdensome. Now they seem burdensome for us because we're trying to live them every day. We're trying to, we're, we're distracted by the world. We're distracted by stuff. We're distracted by our own voices and our own heads. But with God, with the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, follower of Jesus Christ, the commands that, that God gives us are not burdensome. They are possible to do. So let's talk about what some of them are. If you look in, turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to look in verses 4, 5, 6, 4, 5, 6. There is a little bit more. In, that, in those paragraphs, there's 15 action verbs mentioned by what love is and what is not. We're going to talk about 12 of them or so the amount of time that we have. But let me read it to you. Here's what, here's what Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, this, this big metropolitan city, and the church in Corinth is struggling. They, they've got a lot of issues. They've got infighting. They're bickering with each other. They're suing each other. Um, there are people who have, and there are people who have not. And, and the people who have were not treating the have-nots very well. Even at the Lord's Supper, they were making them sit away from the table. Uh, they were treating people who, who didn't have a lot of money differently. Oh, there were some people who had visible spiritual gifts, things that uh, sort of stood out, and they were getting a little puffed up, thinking, wow, I'm special. You don't have what I have. I'm better than you. I'm a better Christian than you. Look at the gifts God's given me. It was, it was a lot of infighting in that church. Some people have said that the verses in chapter 13 were about love were specifically written to that church and only that church. And I believe it was written to that church, but not only that church. If we see what comes next, we're going to see that we struggle with some of the same things they did. Um, you could look in 
Colossians. Colossians uh, 3.12. Paul writes to the church in Colossae the same sort of thing. Almost an echo of the verses we're about to read. They don't say it exactly the same way, but it all wraps up in love. Same way we are here. Here's what scripture says. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is, now listen, uh, I'm going to point out, I know you've heard this. If you've ever been to a wedding or two, you've heard these verses used at a wedding. These were not written by Paul for ministers to use at weddings only. Meaning like some people think that's why they are here. Some of you at your wedding, you had these words used at your wedding. They work, but their intent is so much bigger than just at a wedding. Here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I'm going to stop there for a minute. Okay. In those verbs, patient, kind, not envy, not boast, not proud, not dishonor, not self-seeking, not easily angered, does not keep records of wrongs. I'm pretty confident that every one of those could connect with somebody here or somebody watching live and you could say, that's one I could be better at. That's the whole purpose of this. As I've been praying over this and studying this and sharing it with others, um, really, it's taken uh, about six weeks to go through word by word by word because there's so much here. I'm asking you to specifically take some time today, this week, over the next month, however you want to do it, but pray about this paragraph because if we are intended to love God by following his commands and we are to love others, here is an amazing set of things that we could focus on with the help of the Holy Spirit and be more kind, be more patient, have less envy, be less boastful, be less prone to pride, be less prone to anger. See, see, every one of us, there's one of these or maybe more than one. That's the one for you. And I don't know which one it is. That's above my pay grade. But I know that as I read this, I can't be the only one thinking I could be more patient. And I don't know about you, but when I'm less patient, I'm less kind. Anybody else have that connection in their life? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, this is not, um, I don't, I'm not putting this out there because somebody here is doing something wrong. I'm putting this out here because I want to be better at these Every one of them. I've been working on them for about six weeks now, purposeful thinking. And I don't know if I'm really better. Here's, here's, how, here's how I could picture it in my head. Here's how we could know if we're living God's definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy, doesn't boast, does, is not proud, does not dishonor others. Okay, let's take that list. And for one week, here's what we should do. We should, if we could, uh, get everybody we've come in contact with for that week Everybody, people we passed in the grocery store, people we passed in our car, our family, our friends, our coworkers, and give them a little quiz on a scale of zero through 10. 
10 is you nailed it. You, that was so loving. That, that, there was no envy. There was no, there was all kinds of patience. There was all kinds of kindness. Just, and then rate me. Zero is try over. <laughs> Just add up the numbers. Ask the people in your life. I'm not saying we could really do that, but imagine what the score would be at the end of a week for patience or anger or pride in your life. And then ask God to help that. Ask the Holy Spirit to point out when the words are coming out of your mouth. And then maybe you'll get better at stopping it before the words come out of your mouth. And I don't know. I think this is a practical thing. This isn't just, um, you know, here's a, a group of people, these two people are getting married and let's, let's pray that they have love and pray that they have patience and pray they have kindness. No, this is, this is in your life. People will be attracted to you and thus attracted to Jesus or, or repelled by you and thus repelled by Jesus by what they see and hear from us, from us. People are going to want to know more about Jesus Christ because we are living a life that looks attractive to them. They want something. There's something about the Holy Spirit that goes, wow, I want that. Or the opposite. So I, I, get the, I get the privilege when I live my life, I know that people will know me by my love and I know that Jesus commanded it and now I've got how. So let's talk about it. So how about this as a, we'll put this as a headline statement. If you don't have love, you're simply not behaving as a Christian. And it's not Webster's definition of love, raise the bar. If you don't have love, you're not, Living, that's what Paul's basically saying here. In the paragraph before it, in the paragraphs following, he's saying, if you don't have love, don't call yourself a Christian because you're not, you're, we have nothing. He actually says, he's nothing. He uses himself as an example. So he's not being critical, he's, he's, but he's setting the bar high. And when he starts with love is patient, love is kind. I love this because what he's doing is he's connecting it to Jesus. Think about this. Has Jesus... Christ, been patient with you? <laughs> oh yeah. I can get a couple amens out of that one, I think. Oh yeah. Before you surrendered to him, all those years, or maybe it was decades of turning away from him and saying no to him. And, but you, he was patient. He was patient. Even now, if you're a believer or a follower of Jesus and you sin and you continue to sin, is he patient? I think he is. We're still here. He's given us that chance. How about kindness? <laughs> kindness. Put those two things together, patience and kindness. It literally describes a twofold description of, of God who through Christ gave us chance after chance after chance patiently and kindness towards those who deserve divine judgment. Do you remember that couple uh, um, that came to the apostles? They, they took some, in the book of Acts, they, they sold some property and they made some money and they came to the apostles and said, hey, uh, we're giving you all the money. Turns out they kept some back. How patient was the Holy Spirit with them that day? Bam, dropped dead on the spot, the man. 
The wife comes in. Hey, hey, I heard, did you hear? We, we sold that land, gave you all the money. And Peter's like, all the money? Oh yeah, bam, no patience. Divine judgment is what we deserve. But God is kind. God is patient. And, and not only is he, but now we're supposed to reflect that. We're supposed to reflect that. If we, if we read about the kindness of Jesus, if we re- read about the love of Jesus, if we talk about his patience to others, but we don't display that, where's the credibility when we talk to other people? Listen, I'm glad these two are the first two because they're my first two. Listen, if you know me, patience and kindness are the ones I ought to be praying about every single day for the rest of my life. I want to be that. But see, I have an excuse. I've always had an excuse. I grew up in Brooklyn. Anybody from Brooklyn? Brooklyn, New York. You heard of it? <laughs> okay, listen, uh, um, I, was, I was literally immersed in a culture, a family, a neighborhood where uh, sarcasm was an art. It was, it was a love, it was, the, it was the sixth love language. You know, remember that guy wrote that book? It should have added sarcasm because we were so good at it. I've spent my whole life being that. And I say, but I can't help myself. Look where I grew up. Look, look what kind of family I had. Look what I, I have lots of excuses. Paul doesn't give excuses. He doesn't say, uh, all you people who are going to be from Brooklyn, this doesn't apply to you. I wish it did. Because it'd be an easy excuse for me. So I'm not saying that I'm, that I'm perfect. I'm not. I, I, want, I want that. I want to be known for that. Because if you looked at me just a few years ago, there was no way anybody would use those words to describe me. Well, then how can you call, how could you, I call myself a Christian if I can't show love in the simplest way, the most direct way? Oh, this is a challenge. I think it's a challenge. We're supposed to not only reflect this because Jesus gives it to us, but because it attracts other people to him. Love doesn't envy. They had trouble in that church uh, with envy, uh, meaning uh, they, they, were, they, were, they were in rivalry, a lot of competition. I'm better than you. You're not better than me. I have more than you. You have less than me. All kinds of stuff. They were, they were trying to, uh, there was a, listen, we have that in the world today. There's examples everywhere we go of somebody trying to one-up someone else. It might be in a conversation with your spouse. You know, uh, just trying to do that one-up. It, it might be a neighbor. It might be someone you know from church. I don't know. But that, that competition, because I want what you have. How about this? How about envy in a really simple level? Anybody drive across the Garson Point Bridge in the last couple months? I wanted that spot. They got in there before me and they turned in front of me and they cut me off. Wanting their spot is envy. I want what they have. It, it sparks anger in people. There was a man on the first day the Three Mile Bridge opened back up that pulled out a gun. He was waving a gun because someone cut him off. I, I wanted that spot. You took it before me. Literally, envy can be that. Anybody ever go to the drive-thru restaurant like McDonald's or something and, and you, make, you place your order and you want to pull up really fast before the other guy pulls up in the other lane? Am I the only one who's ever done that? 
Okay, good. I'm afraid. I was afraid. I thought, that's just sick. Yeah, it is, but I'm not the only one. Love, how about this? Why don't we, why don't we make this, instead of just saying what we should not do, right? Because that's, that's sometimes hard to, to do the negative or not do the negative. What if, what if we said this? What if we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to do this? Holy Spirit, how can I best serve those whom Christ died for instead of what I want? I, I may, imagine if that's our prayer. Lord, how, what, if, what can I do to help serve others that you love and died for instead of worrying about myself? What does that look like? And literally, I bet the answer is different every day and maybe even a couple of times a day, the answer would be different. But bringing it to mind, bringing it to prayer, asking God to help make those decisions will help us be less self-focused, be more focused on others. Love doesn't boast. Um, they, uh, the, the Greek word that they used for boast that's in, in our Bible um, can be described as behaving like a braggart or being, I like this one, being a windbag. <laughs> I, I think there have been times in my life I, somebody could have described me, maybe did, describe me as a windbag. A lot of noise, a lot of talking, blah, 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 blah. My children are here. They're probably laughing at me right now. Because it's true. Um, Self-centered actions where there's an unnecessary drawing of attention to oneself. That's what this is talking about. Shouldn't the focus be on Jesus? (laughs) We say that. We say it. But if we act another way and make the focus on you, ourselves, then we're literally, remember, Jesus, God is a jealous God. He, he's not sharing fame. He's not sharing stage time. He's not sharing anything with anyone. And he gets jealous when we try to make it happen. <clears throat> and, and there were people in Corinth, and there are people maybe that we know that it's about them. It's all about them. It's all about them. Here's the deal. It is impossible to boast and love at the same time. They can't exist at the same place. That's a tough one. Chew on that one for a while. I don't know who that one is meant for. Um, uh, it'll, it'll be for me as I continue to work, but I, I'm still stuck on patience and kindness. So I haven't gotten much further yet in the active work, but, but boasting is there. Love is not proud. <laughs> proud, uh, the verb here is puffed up. Arrogance. Do you know, pride goes all the way back, all the way back, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Pride. They, they wanted what God had. The, the devil made it seem like God was holding something back from them. You can't have that fruit? Here's why. God doesn't want you to know what he knows. Be like him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can imagine Eve saying, wait, that's not fair. We're pretty special. We, we have feelings. Why can't we have what God has? We want it too. Boom. Just like that. Pride. That's, that one's not gone away. Pride is what causes most arguments. Pride is what causes... I mean, just think about it. The last time you got an argument with your spouse, your, someone you love, it had something to do with you thought they thought you were wrong. You thought they thought... Or maybe they thought you were wrong and you were defending yourself. Pr- proud. Pride 
is, is in this root of so much of what we do. Pride causes people to steal things. I want what they have, and that's envy. And when I have it, I'll be able to spend more, and I'll be able to do pride. I'll, 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 people will like the shoes that I'm wearing if I, if I spend that money on it or, or see the car that I'm driving thinking I'm a big shot. Pride. For, for some of you, the, the prayers would be, Lord, I... I um, I don't, want to, I don't want that pride to get in the way of me serving others, of me loving others, of, of me. I, pride can trigger all the others. Pride can trigger boasting. It can try, trigger lack of patience. It can trigger lack of kindness. It can trigger all of those things. Maybe, maybe that's a root for you. I'm, right now what I'm doing is peeling back an onion saying, <clears throat> where's the core for you? Because I, I don't think it's the same for everybody. But I know if we're not thinking about them, if we're not praying about them, it's going to be harder to change. God, God uh, when we become believers in Jesus Christ, he, we're, we're made new creatures. We're, we're made new. And we're, we, but there is this desire to go back to the way we were every day. Uh, there's something about being human that we, we're, we're free from those chains. We, but free is scary. Comfort is back where I was. I know that. I've got habits. I know what it feels like. I know what the, I even know what the pain's going to feel like. Out here, freedom is, I'm unaware. I'm not sure, but. Love is not rude. Not behaving shamefully or disgracefully. They had, they had people, the haves and the have-nots at the Lord's table where they would celebrate and eat together and, and the, the have-nots were, seated off to the side. They weren't allowed to sit with the rich people. They were humiliated. They had less money, less resources, less stuff, and thus the people who did literally humiliated them. When we talk about rude, that's what we're talking about here, that, that um, we, when we're, when we're talking about, thinking about, spending time with others who are different than us, how do we make them feel? How are they um, brought into the family? When someone new walks into this church, we've not seen them before, how welcome do they, do they feel? Do they feel like this is a place where they could um, be broken and, and heal with, through Christ? Is this a place where people will show love to them or not? The number one reason people don't come back to a church in the United States, number one reason is they don't feel welcomed. Uh, this this is a sort of an example of it. How do people feel? They're, they have a certain picture in the head. If someone's going to even show up in the four walls of a church today, they, they want to feel like it's a good place, a safe place, a welcoming place. Um, they're they're going to be challenged. Uh, they're going to, but they want to be loved, cared about. And it's hard because as humans, we like our group. We like our people. We know our stuff. Uh, on Sunday, we go to here after lunch. We know what we're going to do. And bringing in other people sometimes can feel a little odd. But that's what Paul's talking about here. Treat, can't treat people uh, badly because they might be different than you. Or you might not know them as well. That's what he's talking about. Love is not self-seeking. Self 
self-gain, self-justification, self-worth, self-self, self-control. We've got all these words now that are really popular in the world that start with a self and a hyphen. Self-determination, self-this. The more we focus on self, the less we're focusing on what were the two commands? Loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving others. Now, now, Paul, uh, now, now Jesus did say, let me, let me go back there to Matthew. To, I'm sorry, where was I? Um, I, had it, I had it marked here. Hold on, let me find it. When we go back to, uh, when he said loving God and loving others, he said love others as yourself. So there was an assumption of a high level of love, right? For ourselves, but loving others at the same level. In fact, what did Jesus say? Not just love yourself, but love your enemies. This, this is another level. Like what? I could love a stranger. I could love a family member, but now I got to love my enemy at that same level. Jesus did. Didn't he forgive from the cross? Didn't he say, Father, forgive them while they were attempting to kill him and torture him? That's our example. And we'd say, well, you know, he was Jesus. He was God. That's why he could do that. Mm, but we have the, if, as believers in Jesus, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're supposed to forgive too. At a giant amount level, a giant level, even our enemies. Love. Love. Love is not self-seeking. Love seeks. It's not finding ourselves. Finding, we, everybody wants to find themselves now. Find Jesus. Kevin was talking about that earlier. Finding, making Jesus the focus. <coughs> it's for the good of one's neighbor. It's for, to show our love for God. And less about us. That's really hard. For someone in this room, that's really hard. It's for all of us, but this is the one hook for someone. It's, it's the, how do I focus on others more than I focus on myself? We have a good excuse. Well, if I don't take care of myself, how am I going to take care of others? Because God's in charge of taking care of you. That's why. We, he blesses us so we can be a Blessing. See, we, we know this. It's hard to do, isn't it? Mm. Here's one. Hold on for me. As you guys can listen if you want to. Love is not easily angered. <laughs> it's hard to say it out loud. Love is not easily angered. Um, this, they, what they were talking about here is there were two components, what, 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 Paul, what Paul was writing about. He was talking about... <clears throat> The one who loves is not easily provoked to anger by those around him, but also doesn't provoke, provoke others to anger either. Both? I got to do both? I can't, I can't provoke others to anger, and I'm not supposed to be easily provoked myself. <clears throat> this is sort of like um, patience. The first one, love is patience. This is in that same category of God's love for us demonstrated through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is the way we're supposed to live. Is this getting hard for anybody in the room? Am I the only one who start? I mean, I'm literally starting to sweat a little. This is getting hard. Is this hard? I think it is. Alone, alone it's impossible. With the Holy Spirit, it's at least possible. It's possible. 
In fact, not only is it possible, Jesus, cried to, Jesus died to make it possible, which means it's, that's the way he intended it. This, this list I'm talking about here now is not a pie-in-the-sky thing. It's the way Jesus intended it when he died for us. And I think that's where, like, I, I think we just got to put on a little bit more of that every morning. Like, this isn't me trying to do these things after 50 years of not doing it. This is me and the Holy Spirit. Aha, now all things are possible. Ah, not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I am glad that Jesus Christ is not still writing down all my sins to hold them against me at judgment. (laughs) All the ones I did, they're wiped clean. And all the ones I still do, he's not keeping track. He's not. But but let me me just talk about this one for a minute because I think this one one is a tough one for humans. Um, when we travel to Guatemala, we, uh, or, or when we do, we do medical clinics, different things, we pray with people often for uh, healing, for physical. They're in pain. They've got a disease. There's something wrong. And it's amazing the beautiful things we see uh, in, in those places. And here in the United States, we see amazing, beautiful things, gifts from God. Every now and then, <clears throat> we find uh, a person who who as we're praying with them, God reveals uh, somehow we, we get this feeling where we should ask a few more questions. Sometimes we're surprised by the answers. Like we'll pray with someone who, who has a, who, who we're praying for them for healing. And we ask them at the end, how do you feel right now? How are things going? And they're like, nothing. It's all the same. They're, you can almost tell they're like angry. And, We've, we've started asking these questions. Number one, is there anybody in your life that is really, really, really angry at you about something? Sometimes that's the case. There are people that are just so bitter. And then we ask, is there anybody in your life that you're really, really mad at? Like you're, and oh, it's amazing sometimes the venom that comes out when they say, oh, my sister, my brother, my cousin, my husband, my ex-wife, my whatever, they fill in my neighbor, and there's this something about them that they can't forgive. It's, it's just, it, it consumes them. They can't, they can't let it go. Uh, for some people, it's a lot of little things. For this person, it's boom, boom, boom. And this person, I got this list. And for this person, boom, boom, boom. But for some people, there's just one place where all of their bitterness resides and it's one relationship and and when they'll say is you don't understand I can't forgive them for what they did Jesus Christ forgave those who wanted to kill him Jesus Christ forgave you who are who are we to not forgive others Jesus warned us about that if we don't forgive others how is the father going to forgive us and that bitterness we feel, I, I use this phrase, some of you have heard it. When you've got that bitterness, it's like drinking poison and thinking it's going to hurt the other person. It just stays inside you. But that's what he's saying here. Love keeps no record of wrongs. But that's what you're doing when you're remembering what they did to you. How they made you feel. We got to let that stuff go. Now, it's not the first thing on the list. I don't know if any of this is prioritized. But we know but we're, that, that's not what Jesus wants from us because he didn't, he didn't keep 
a record of our, he's not bitter about what we did when those nails are being driven into his wrists. Imagine Jesus being bitter at us for causing him to be crucified. Wow. He forgave us. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying forget. Like if someone stole $10,000 from you and, and you forgive them, I'm not saying go lend them more money. I'm not a moron. What I am saying is we're supposed to forgive and not keep in mind the record of their wrongs. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I've prayed with people. I, here's, here's, if, you ever, if, you, if this is you or you know someone like this, here's a great prayer. Sometimes they're not willing immediately to forgive. They don't want to. They're not ready to. And maybe they should. Maybe the thing that occurred was so amazingly bad that you, you as another human, have no right to know what they feel or don't feel. Uh, I, I can think of a few scenarios where there's no way I'm going to say, you should forgive them unless I'm, I really know these people well. Here's what you could do. You could ask them to pray that God give them the ability to want to forgive them. It's another whole level of, like, I, I, I want to at least try. Lord, I know I'm supposed to, but this is a really big one, and I don't know how to get there. Can you help me get there at least to want to forgive them? It's just a thought, a practical thought, because um, sometimes this is, a, this is a tough one. Keeps no record of wrongs. Um, why? Because Jesus isn't keeping a record of your wrongs right now. The last one is, uh, love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Doesn't delight in evil. There's a lot there. Here's, here's what we know, that we're supposed to be different after we, get, um, we become born again believers and followers of Jesus. And there's, a, there's delighting in evil uh, is talking about active sin, continuing to sin the way we were and rejoice with, with the truth, the, the truth of who Jesus is and what he did for you. If you're, if you're in this room and you, you um, don't know, maybe, maybe you're visiting here today and you have not, you can't recall a time in your life when you surrendered to Jesus Christ and said, listen, I believe you are you're the son of God. I believe you came to pay the sin debt that I never could pay. I believe that. I don't want to sin anymore. I want to live with you in charge, Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. If you don't remember a time in your life to do that, then, that you've done that, then today, today, because this, this, this exam, these descriptions of love, these action verbs I'm talking about are impossible to do without the help of, of the whole, God's Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Can't do it. You, there are good people, nice people. You know, there's people you meet in life. But, but listen, uh, they're, they're not loving at the level of what Jesus said. Remember who Paul's writing to. He's writing to believers already. Believers who already surrendered to Jesus, who were fighting and arguing and debating and bragging and not being kind, just like us. There's not one thing on here where we go, oh, that's 2,000 years ago. That's old news. It doesn't happen anymore. Every single thing on that list is us. And every single thing on that list separates us from other people who might be attracted to Jesus through our behavior. 
Plus, even if nobody knew what you were doing, even if it had nothing to do with another person observing you, it's a way you show love for God because he said, follow my commands. Love for God is following my commands. And this is, these are commands. They sound like suggestions. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love doesn't envy. They're commands. We're supposed to love a certain way. So um, today as we wrap, I'll, wrap up our, our conversation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for a couple minutes. And uh, this is the point where it, we'll call it an invitation. Maybe, maybe you want to come and you want to pray with a pastor um, today who can pray with you to help you with something we've talked about here today. Or maybe today is the day that you have not, you, you have before today not surrendered to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And you say, today's the day. I'm not waiting anymore. I, he died for me. What am I waiting for? See, see that patience that I talked about earlier? Love is patient. That was the first one. Remember, Jesus won't be patient forever. He's coming back again someday. And then the patience is done. And then comes judgment. Unless you're a follower of Jesus. So, so today, maybe that's the day. But whatever it is for you, maybe you're sick or you're in pain and you'd like some prayer. Come, come to the altar and pray. Someone will pray with you today. Otherwise, we'll... We'll sing and then and be dismissed. Thank you for, for listening today. Thank you. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation.
Again and again and again and again. Whoa. 